Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Luck. Our motorsports writers here at The Athletic. We're here today to talk about the NASCAR All-Star Race at Texas Motor Speedway and everything else that went on in the motorsports world this weekend. So uh, we we decided to not uh, <laughs> find out what the other person thought <laughs> of the All-Star Race beforehand. Um, we didn't we didn't pre-plan this at all. So this will be a raw a raw take. And uh, Jordan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Let's just let's cut through the niceties. Let's get to it. I'm here for the Jeff Gluck rant. I'm not going to give you. I'm. I've already told myself. Nope. I'm not nope. going to. I, nope. I know we, we did exchange a couple of text messages, so I know where you are on this. Jeff, nope. Nope. tell me what you thought of the format tonight. Nope. You're not going to draw it out of me. I'm not going to be. Okay. Uh, that's what, as you're you know, a professional opinion, as a professional motorsports columnist and analyst, give me your opinion on what transpired tonight. <laughs> Well, okay. Um, I did think that I thought that the the last restart uh, and the whole ten lap shootout kind of thing that gave them what they wanted. That gave NASCAR what they were looking for. You know, that had some excitement there. It forced Larson to make a, a sort of risky move. He felt like going up high um, to the point where after the race, he said he was so excited that he was able to pull that off that his foot was shaking on the floor of course he said he was holding it wide open and on the gas pedal but his foot was shaking on the pedal so for larson who's mr cool i mean for him to get that fired up about that kind of move to beat chase Elliott, a great restarter i think that was that was definitely the highlight of the race obviously and that's really why they set it up that way you know as for the rest of the race with the math obviously you know could have done without that really just so convoluted ultimately it, it ended up giving you the same outcome as you would have had. I mean, this, the, all the fast cars were up there anyway. The entire top seven was Hendrick and Penske, all the Hendrick and Penske cars. So it, it was, you know, whatever format you sort of want to throw up there, it's sort of, you end up, I guess, getting this, getting the same result. I, I guess in that sense, I, I wish it had been not such a complicated format because I think there could have been more entertaining ways to do it if you're going to get that result anyway. But um, I don't know, for the most part, you know, I'm not like, I guess there's there's certainly been worse all star all star races and you know I would even say that I, I I would even go as far as to say that last year's all star race despite being at Bristol was worse than this one so yeah. I I uh, you know I'm not gonna sit here and, and do a rant of course I I just I didn't love the format um, the five ten package oh that's my next question Jeff tell uh, me about the five ten package what did you think about the package tonight. I mean, there was portions where I was like, well, this is, this is, it's giving them what they wanted. This is, looks like uh, they can draft. I mean, even Larson said afterwards, um, 
you know, he thought he was kind of out of it for a while because they were going to get all strung out and he could sort of draft up on the other, onto other cars, not unlike a super speedway, you know, to me, I'm just like, Oh my God, what are we doing here? But I think that this is what NASCAR wants, right? Like that's sort of almost, um, there's, there's a, uh, definitely a faction in NASCAR where that's sort of like the dream. Like they've thought for years, how can we make this, how can we make mile and a half like super speedways? Um, keep everybody close together, keep them packed up. I mean, that was, I think, sort of the the whole original purpose of the 550 package. So now they go even more down on horsepower. And I think I think there's portions where they got that. Now, of course, after a few laps, you can't really hold that. But um, you know, they got it for a little bit on some of the restarts, and they certainly had enough restarts to give them a shot at it. Um, you know, and I will say too, it was this was despite being probably the hottest race ever in the, in that kind of package. And we know that colder weather is better for that. So the fact that they were able to stay together that long, even with the, the track so slick, maybe that's something for them. They're probably, they're probably thinking about, Oh, how can we make the next gen car even slower and all that stuff? So, <laughs> um, I don't know. I've been, I've been going on. You've got me to answer some questions. So why don't I turn this on you now? What did you think of the format? What did you think of the five ten package? Well, well, we'll start with the format. I, I mean, a lot of people didn't like the format. It seems like based off of Twitter, I, I wasn't offended by it. I, I didn't love the format. I, I did think it was a little too confusing. It was a lot. It was actually easier to follow than I thought it was going to be, you know, reading everything pre-race. You're like, Oh my goodness, this is incredibly complicated. It, it was a lot probably overly so, but I didn't think it was the worst. My issue with the format is I, I can't think of a better one. Like, I, I don't know what you can do in terms of a you format. Can't think of a, you can't think of a better format than that? Are you serious? I'm pounding like, like, my it, it, fist on the it, desk. This is great. Oh, why are you so angry, Jeff? Tell me. But you can't think of a better format than that? A format that we had to get Joe Srigley who did a great job, by the way, for tobychristie.com in getting those spreadsheets out there. Uh, and I was refreshing my Twitter feed waiting for his spreadsheet. You can't think of a better format. To, I was texting on a, a group text with, with Freddie Kraft and Brett Griffin at one point. Oh, and, thanks for including me. Well, they, they started it with me. I didn't, I didn't have a choice who was on it. But, you know, Freddie said, oh, like when, when, when Byron got the invert to move up from ninth to first, he said, I, I think William Byron just won a million dollars. And I was like, no, because they're still going to have to, you know, do the average finish and all this stuff. He's got, he goes, yeah, I think he's been up there. This is before they, they put the math out. And I'm like, oh, is he? I have no idea. Fox hasn't showed the standings. They haven't showed. You know, here's the thing, Jordan. Oh my gosh. The, Fox <laughs> knew, Fox knew this, this math thing was going to be a, a problem or something they had to explain. Right. We see in the playoffs, TV networks are absolutely equipped to show points as they run. Why, instead of the, oh, three seconds back, four, whatever, why did they not on the side show standings as they run, especially in that fourth segment when they were all scrambling to see whoever was going to get the poll for the fifth segment, show the live standings updating. Who is going to, what is the order going to be? Show us where they stand, you know, and, and the pit crew competition as well. They, they hyped up this pit crew competition, $100,000, okay? The fastest pit crew. Well, what are the times? What, what, who's winning? Like, they're in the middle of green flag. Who's, who's the fastest so far? I know they're saying, well, we got to check the lug nuts. That's fine. They do that after the race, too. But you still know who, who's winning or who won until they check. Let us okay. know what's going on, please. Okay. okay, let me just stop you there. 
I don't disagree with anything you said, but the issues you have are with the broadcast itself. Not well, I can think form. of a better format too, so I can. Come you back know, to I mean, that. the for I'm, I'm, listen. If I put my head to, it, I'm sure we could think of something different. But this, to me, it had inverts. It had a surprise invert. It, you know, you didn't know going in what the invert was going to be, so you didn't have people trying to sandbag. It rewarded people to go to the front, the average finish, and you know, you, you getting to the front where you finish in the stages. I like the pit crew component. I, I, you know, maybe you can tweak that a little bit. It wasn't the worst thing in the world. It, it could have been a lot. We've we've had a lot worse formats, a lot more boring formats. At the end of the day, we had passing. We we had a an entertaining guys were rewarded for for going to the front and making moves. Again, could have been better, sure, but sure as hell could have been a lot worse. And I think my expectations going into this were kind of low because this format to me when it was announced was like, well, wait a second, this is just nuts. And it, it probably could have been a more straight line. And we could have probably accompanied the elements I liked in a better, you know, easier to understand way. But it didn't. I, I don't disagree with what you said about the Fox part. I mean, I think the broadcast could do a better job of explaining things and keeping things. Like you said, you, you did a great suggestion there of on the right, you know, on the left side of the screen, this is what's going on in real time. That's real easy to do. I mean, it's a, it's a computer program. That should be the easiest way to do it. That didn't happen. But that's a different argument. In terms of the rules package, I, I don't know. I mean, it is what it is at this point. I just kind of throw up my hands. Like, it, it, nothing – this is the direction NASCAR is going in. And nothing I say, nothing you say, nothing nobody can say. Whether the drivers want it or not, this is the rules package. And it is what it is. And it, the, the only saving grace is if you're not a fan of this rules package is we're getting a new car at the end of the, you know, end of the year next for next year. And that could change everything, and nobody knows what that car is going to race like, uh, you know, on super uh, on intermediate tracks, super speedways, or anything like that. So, it's just it is what it is at this point. Uh, the All Star Open that was an interesting thing to watch because the track conditions were so slick, and guys were having to really, I mean, they were just all over the place. So, it, and it's hard to base, you know, that that started. And I think you tweeted this. And I was thinking it was like, oh, my goodness, we're in for it now. They're like, this is going to be in for a long night. And then once the temperature changed and, you know, cooled down a little bit and the sun went away, you know, things kind of settled down a little bit. But guys made moves. They, you know, they were able to make passes. You know, again, I just – it is what it is. My biggest beef at the, out of everything out of this, and I, and I said this from when this was announced last year, when you and I broke the story, was like – Texas Motor Speedway hosting the All-Star Race. I'm sorry. It is the worst. It is one of the worst venues to have the All-Star Race at. You could pick 15 other tracks uh, uh, that are on the schedule right now that would be better places to host the race in Texas Motor Speedway. I understand why it's there. I get it. But it's still not the best place to showcase NASCAR. But so no matter, regardless of the format, regardless of the rules package, as long as you have that race at Texas Motor Speedway, your hands are going to be handcuffed. All right. Well, you had, you had a lot to say there and, and I want to try to answer some of these points. Um, first of all, just one last thought on, on the format, the format, this is a, a race again, that is sort of, it's always been built toward the casual fan. When this was at Charlotte, you know, this was like the people in, in, in Charlotte in the racing industry who would bring their families out, who would bring sort of like the new fans out, like, Hey, you want to check out NASCAR, but you don't want to see the 600 miles next week come check this out. Like it's really exciting. It's short. Um, there's lots of action. Come check out this format, come check out this race. And you know, that, that was sort of how, how it was built and, you know, just a lot of action. And so I think to overcomplicate it to the point where you need the spreadsheets and all that stuff, 
and you need that amount of math. Um, yeah, they're, they're always, you know, I, I understand you're trying to look for an incentive for them to race hard, but you know, the, the best guys are going to find their way to the front anyway. Um, and they're going to do all they can. Um, you know, I, I think they, it, it, until the last 10 laps, I mean, that's where you really see guys go for it. Like you saw Larson go that, that three wide move and, and seeing Keselowski and Blaney trying to make those moves. But until then, I mean, they've still got to get themselves in position and there's only so much they can do, uh, without risking wrecking their car. So, um, I mean, to me, the, the format has got to be simple. It's got to fit in a tweet, you know, like what is the format? This is what it is. Um, again, I'm just probably going to keep saying this until, uh, you know, people just stop listening to me or they probably already have, I guess. But, um, I think the format would be great idea as far as like a Royal rumble type thing where you have all the cars on track and then one car, every five laps or so, whatever has to drop off. They keep running under green, but they have to drop off. Now, how do you decide that when making your pit stop? How do you decide, you know, um, uh, you know, like I think, I think a lot of, we're used to the action being on the front. Oh, this guy's a three second lead, but a lot of the action would be on the back. Is Michael McDowell going to be able to hold off, you know, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. here? Oh, they're coming to the end of this five laps. Oh, Michael McDowell's got to go to the garage. Okay. Now Stenhouse is battling so-and-so, you know, you'd, you'd sort of work your way through the field. So, you know, so maybe somebody spins. Oh no. You know, is Kevin Harvick in jeopardy here of being eliminated? He's got to, he's got to get that spot back before, you know, anyway, I think it would be simple to explain. And then you re-rack them with 10 to go or whatever with the last four cars and, and let them go or something like that. But that, that's I like just that my format. format. I like that idea a lot. I think that's really entertaining. It's a, rever- a reverse Royal Rumble where guys are eliminated incrementally. I like that idea a lot. That could, that has something to play with. Well, I've mentioned it before, but it doesn't it's just, you know, it's again, everybody has their own all-star format. You know what I mean? Everybody's like, well, why don't they do this? I mean, it's just, nobody's going to listen to anybody's idea. This idea for this format seemed like it started with from, from what I read in, in one of the newspapers in, in, uh, in Texas, Eddie, they did an interview with Eddie Gossage. I can't remember whether it was Fort Worth or, or Dallas, but he was sort of explaining the format and said, you know, I kind of wanted to do it this way, but then Fox ha- had to have input and Jeff Gordon and Clint Boyer had input in it. Like, so, you know, it, it, I think we're beyond the point now. This is the, the era of everybody has a voice. Everybody has a seat at the table kind of thing. We're sort of beyond the point of one person saying, this is a format. Let's do this. I'm deciding this. Even, even if it's Eddie Gossage in his last race, Hey, Eddie, go run with this format, whatever you want to (laughs) do. Well, actually Fox has input into this. Well, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I know. I got an idea. I got an idea. I'm just, I'm spitballing here. What do we do if we reward the winner of the race where next year they get to pick the format? You know, I actually think, um, I think you're onto something in terms of not, not the winner of the race picking it, but I think that they may, maybe should do like sort of a fan contest for picking the format, like, and not tweak it, but like take the best format, like, okay, you know, Joe Thomas from Emporia, Kansas, or whatever, like he has, he came up with this format. We've gone through all the selections. We narrowed it down. Maybe even have the fans vote on the final five formats or something like that. You know, get people to say, that, that's actually a really cool format. We like that. We'd watch that. We'd be interested in that. We wouldn't be negative about it. Stuff like that. Um, you know, and then maybe that guy comes in is the grand marshal and we're interviewing him and we're like, wow, you know, Joe, what a great idea. Like, he's like, oh man, like this is this guy's 15 minutes of fame. 
I mean, just something like that. Like let just open it up. I know obviously the people, you know, making the decisions, that's their job, you know, from the tracks, from the broadcast side and all that stuff. But, you know, I think that they are sometimes out of touch with what the average fan is looking for. They think they know better than the average fan. And when you, when you look at Twitter and you just see some of the frustration, not just about this format, but repeatedly about some of the decisions that are made in racing, in NASCAR, they're just like, why, why do they go this direction? This is not what people are asking for. So let people show what they're asking for. Do a, do a fan vote on the format, like give them options or something. And I don't know, I'm, I'm way off course here. Cause you, you brought up a lot of good points, um, in your last, uh, no, I, I like your idea of the fan vote though, just because I'm I'm the person who roots roots for chaos and likes to see people like be in turmoil. I want to see the fan have his have their vote, have their idea, win the vote, and then watch their face as it unfolds and it completely unravels because of some loopholes or something, and it's like the worst thing ever. And just watch their face turn from elation to complete misery. And like, oh my god, I can't believe I thought of this. Everyone is gonna blame me. <laughs> Well, but hey, I, I think NASCAR would prefer it. Like, think about oh, yeah. this if you're NASCAR. Like, the fans are looking internally at themselves going, oh, I guess we didn't know best. I guess we, our format, you know, who 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 would the fans have to be mad at themselves? They wouldn't yeah. be taking it out on NASCAR and going, why did you do this? Why did you come up with this format? Um, so anyway, uh, a couple other points that you had, you had brought up. Um, like you said in the open, it's, it really did, did seem like it was going to be a caution fest. Um, there was spins all over the place. Ultimately, um, once you get into this race, um, there was only a couple incidents and they weren't really significant at all. Um, you had Christopher Bell's spin, half spin ish. ish. It was an interesting weekend for NASCAR in the, in the tower. Cause I don't know if you saw the Xfinity race cause you were at the, the SRX race, but in the Xfinity race, Brandon Jones had, the mind he, he basically got loose it wasn't even to call it i a, saw the replay yeah okay yeah, yeah. like it, it was an interesting weekend for the scoring tower in terms of when to call cautions or not let's just say that yeah and i saw some people bring up on twitter well you know they're being extra cautious now because of the truck sitting there at charlotte that they didn't see and then just got destroyed or whatever but i really you know okay the thing about a caution is like if, if somebody's in the middle of spinning or, or a half spin or starting to try to save it or whatever, and they call a caution, I really don't think in that moment that saves anybody or changes anything. Those guys are still racing and hard into the corner. By the time they hear caution or they're there, they might already be in avoidance mode. And by the time, you know, they see the light or hear caution from their spotter. Um, I don't think there's anything that can be done. And so I think let the race play out enough to see if the guy can save it, which they have a couple times this weekend. Right. So um, the only other caution was for um, Chastain Newman uh, kind of, kind of incident. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it really wasn't like, you know, some of those wreck filled also race. It, it wasn't like that at all. And I thought it, I thought it would be. Um, based on the open, but it, it had its moments. Um, if William Byron and Chase Elliott aren't teammates, I don't know how patient William Byron is with Chase Elliott at the end of stage five. William Byron had a run. He, he purposely was waiting until two laps to go, had a run coming to the, to the line and Chase blocked him multiple times. And if that's somebody else, 
they, he probably gets sent. And that would have been interesting. It looked like uh, Brad Keselowski could have maybe been a little bit more aggressive at the end there and, and done something. But, you know, that's hindsight being 2020 and not being in the moment. But, yeah, there, there just wasn't those moments of of pure aggression where, guy, you know, the wreckers or checkers kind of mentality that that is supposed to define the all-star race. Well, I appreciate Keselowski going for it and, and Blaney going for it on that restart. I mean, you know, it's obviously been, been the Hendrick show recently. And, you know, I think if you're – unless you're a Hendrick fan, I mean, to me, NASCAR has always been at, at its best when the same people aren't winning. And when you when you look at a team that's just so dominant right now and pretty much some Hendrick driver is going to win every week, usually Kyle Larson, uh, you're like, oh, can we see somebody else? And, um, you know, it, it was interesting for a moment there to think, oh, Keselowski might be able to steal this. Wow. And then they just got back by him anyway. I mean, Hendrick is just – they're just it's ridiculous on another yeah, level just, right now. Yeah, it's it, it's it's crazy to think about it. And it doesn't matter the track. I mean, you went from Richmond to Dover to road course at Sonoma to a mile and a half racetrack at here at Texas and Charlotte. It's just it, it doesn't matter. It, it, they're good everywhere right now. Great everywhere. And it's not just like one driver. It's the entire organization. Elliot's in the mix. Byron's in the mix. Um, Keselowski tonight was this is the best run he's had some time. I have a question for you. This is something we talked about on Sirius Satellite NASCAR Radio, and I, and I co-hosted last week, and it kind of got my wheels turning a little bit. I want to get your opinion on this. In NASCAR, when drivers tend to win a lot and win in bunches, they tend to become booed. You know, whether it's Johnson, uh, Dale Earnhardt back in the day, Rusty Wall, it doesn't matter who. Jeff Gordon, when they win a bunch of races, fans turn on them. Fans right now are very much in Kyle Larson's corner. I mean, he wins races. You can hear the cheers. He's very popular. But if this continues and he keeps winning at the races at, at this volume and he keeps beating NASCAR's most popular driver in Chase Elliott, which has happened now multiple times because Chase has been right there. Are fans going to turn on him at some point this year? Well, I think it's it's very valid and that would normally happen. But I think what you have with Larson is a little bit of the Tiger Woods effect in that when you watch him you're like, wow, I'm kind of seeing greatness here because everybody knows that Larson, um, I mean, this whole, you know, I, I know people get, you know, uh, yeah, it's dirt racing. We get it. We get it. We get it. But when he went to the dream at Eldora this week, remember he had never uh, been, I don't think ever had been in um, a dirt late model um, before last year mm -hmm. and jumped in a dirt late model and was competitive. And I think he maybe won in his third time out. And now, he, you know, the dream is the best, dirt late model drivers. It's like the national championships of, of dirt late, late model racing. Right. So, you know, Larson goes there and was very competitive with those guys and had a chance to, to win those races. Right. So when you see that, when you see his, his prowess in, in midget cars at the chili bowl or in sprint cars, taking wins from the outlaws, um, and then being able to, you know, do what he's done in NASCAR. Um, I think people view it a little bit differently, even than like a Jimmy Johnson, where you're like, is this guy just have like good cars and Chad Canals? Like, how good is this guy? We can't tell. We, you know, we think he's, he's probably good, but oh my gosh, you know, he's, but I think the way that Larson wins and the way that he's been able to do it, it's, it sort of comes with an extra level of excitement. And that's similar to Tiger, right? Because Tiger, you were like, man, maybe he's not going to be able to do it this time. And he comes back and you're like, wow, I can't believe he did it again. Unbelievable. Like I got to tune in to watch this. So I think I'm not saying it's exactly equivalent, but I think it's a little 
little bit along those lines. Um, I, I do think that though, that people will, will get tired of it at some point as NASCAR fans tend to do. Yeah. It was interesting to hear the reaction a little bit when we took calls, um, on TMD last week is there were, there were some fans that were kind of growing a little bit bored with Larson winning. And it's like, it, it's still relatively new. And I, I just don't see this slowing down. I, I don't think you look at what he's doing. And as long as Hendrick continues to perform at this level, you know, there's no reason to think he's not going to do this. I mean, as you said, in terms of pound for pound race car driver, he's the best there is right now in the country you know, and where you want to put him globally, that's up to you. But it's pretty obvious that he's the most talented driver out there right now. I don't think there's anyone even close, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, before we move on, uh, one other thing you had brought up that I definitely want to go back to was, you know, Texas as the venue for the All-Star Race. You know, I, I don't know where they go from here with the All-Star Race. Obviously, I would not necessarily be in favor of them going back to texas because why um i mean it it's it's not that texas did a bad job by any means it's just that what's let's let's move it around let's go somewhere else now had the all-star race not been at bristol last year i would probably say hey take it to bristol do a third race at bristol get a second pavement race there because you've already got bristol dirt now give them a second pavement and then you still have the bristol night race as a playoff race but the Bristol All-Star Race really wasn't, you know, that was sort of like the one of the bigger letdowns of Bristol pavement um, in recent years. I don't know what happened with that. I, I still don't. That was that was a weird one. So format is the, the the reason most often cited. There just wasn't enough many la- enough laps for guys to, you know, you, you, Bristol's a good track where over long runs you get the comers and the goers, and there wasn't enough laps. So I, I don't know if you can adjust that, but when you only have twenty cars on the racetrack, it I don't know. It, it it's interesting. So, I mean, I guess I'd be tempted to, I mean, if you want sort of like the heart and soul of the all-star race where you're trying to put these guys in a position to do something they wouldn't normally do, do something that's not in a points race, you know, Hey, what else would you do for a million dollars? You can't go on a super speedway because you don't want them to put them in a dangerous situation. And you already have that um, anyway with the clash. That's true. Well, no, that's a road course now. Well, road course, but I mean, it's, it's been, we've seen that before with the clash. I mean, right. In, in, right. in the past. So yes. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, to me, I want to lean short track, but you know, there's just not enough out there right now. Like NASCAR needs more short tracks and, you know, I think you could say, Hey, bring it to Martinsville under the lights. I'd be kind of cool. I'm not going to, I won't think, you know, Richmond, what, what, what could they even do at Richmond? You can't get close enough. A lot of times to move somebody. Unless they've got a tire there, the better tire compound they're bringing. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I can't really see them adding a third Martinsville race just for no reason. I mean, maybe they would, but, um, so I don't know, maybe, maybe you make that, maybe you make it a true exhibition race and just go somewhere totally wacky somewhere, not currently on the schedule. I think that would probably be the best bet just because of the limited options that I laid out. You know, maybe that's the time to really say, Hey, we're, we're really going to go for something here. Like, and, and if it doesn't work, this was the all-star race, no points. Don't worry about it. I think that's what they should have done with the dirt race in the first place. But, um, you know, try to do it as an experiment instead of just make it a points race. But you, you seem like you're going to say something. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, to me, if you're going to look at this, I, I don't think you can go back to Texas. You've got to figure out a way to, 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 to make this event special and unique. You know, the one thing there is how does the SMI component work? They've, they have always held the all-star race date. They've been very protective of that. 
Um, is NASCAR going to figure out a way to take that date away from them? Because that is a money-making big time <laughs> uh, event that SMI has under their umbrella that they're now losing. How, how do, you, do you financially compensate them? That That's all behind the scenes, you know, maneuvering and stuff, but that to let me them, is very Let bad. them do a promotion. Let them, you know, just do what they did with Coda where like yeah, they, no. they're the promoter, the track rental kind of thing. I would agree with that. I mean, in a, I, I've got two things, two ideas here I want to throw by in a, and I, and I understand that there are components of this that can't work because of safety and safer barriers and everything else. But I had a conversation with a couple of people last year about this on the NASCAR side and they floated it. Like, wouldn't it be cool to take this event to like a Bowman gray to a, a, a stadium like that? You know, you go to Bowman gray, you can only have about 20 cars on the racetrack at once. Well, that's perfect for this race. And you don't have to worry about traditional pit stops because they don't have a pit, pit you know, infield there because you're not going to do traditional pit stops. So, Maybe that's the way to do it. Like you can't have a regular cup point rates there, but man, an all-star race at Bowman Gray or, or something of that caliber, that would get it. That would get people excited. The other thing to keep an eye on is what happens with Auto Club Speedway. As we reported last year, and we know this now is a fact, they are renovating Auto Club Speedway. They're tearing it into a from a two-mile track into a half-mile track. Whenever that gets completed, having an all-star race at that track would be incredible in Southern California in that market. That would be something special. No, I, I agree with you on auto club and uh, you know, I've heard the same type of, you know, sentiment about Bowman gray. I think one, one thing that had sort of, um, given me pause about like a Bowman gray thing is, you know, can you, can you make that, uh, into, can you bring a, a big, big time TV product there? And this will help transition into our next topic about S SRX, but, I went to Stafford Motor Speedway this weekend. Never been there, right? Half mile track. Um, obviously, we know half mile tracks work for cup cars. Um, I was very impressed to see, like, CBS came in to this small town about 30 minutes outside Hartford uh, with a little traffic circle and all this stuff, little quaint little place um, to this classic little gem of a track, not, you know, necessarily like a modern facility by, by any stretch. And they turned it into a big time event. Um, and so that, that just showed me. And, and, and I think too, like, yes, it was 10,000 seats, but that having those 10,000 seats, it made it feel electric. Like it was absolutely, I mean, I would take that feeling of 10,000, which again, you take those 10,000 people and you put them at Texas Motor Speedway. It's ridiculed as like the smallest crowd ever. I can't believe this. What is NASCAR doing? But you take those 10,000 people, pack them into a short track, put it under the lights, make it electric. I mean, it was like I've, I've been to big races that didn't feel as big as this felt with a small crowd. So um, I think there was a lot to that there. Like, I think that you could really do something where you take the all-star race into like the heart of America. Um, it doesn't need to be at, at these, you know, huge speedways. You're not if you're not putting on an event for 100,000 people, you don't need a palace you know what I mean? Like you, you can bring in hospitality. Um, SRX brought in sort of like these big, uh, two story trailers for like their VIP guests mm -hmm. that they would, you would see like maybe a golf tournament. Um, but for the most part, it was just, it was just Stafford's show and it just happened to be broadcast on national TV. And I was really impressed with how, how it all went off. And, uh, I just thought it started the wheels turning of like, you know, I think NASCAR, if they wanted to now, of course, you know, they would be like normally sanctioning fees and stuff like that. But 
If they're if they were the ones saying we'll do the track rental, we'll keep the TV money, mm-hmm. let us just race here. Um, and again, the, you know, like you said, they don't have safer barriers and stuff like that. But if you're going slow on a half mile short track, does it matter? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there. And our experiences the last two weeks were different, but I think they're very similar. I went to Bowman Gray uh, two weeks ago. It was 17,000 people thereabouts packed in, and it felt incredible. It felt bigger than some races, cup races that I've been to where you, you've got 40, 50,000 plus spread out. It was electric. It was energized. It felt like it, it felt like an event. And the thing I think with the All-Star Race is, and I'm not trying to uh, be, be smirched, fans who go to races and everything. I think this is the one race of the year or I'm not concerned about how many tickets I can sell. I, if I can, if I go to a place that only has conceit 10,000, that's fine. I am doing this race on a short track for the audience at home. I am doing this as a made for television event where we're turning this all-star race into something special where people at home are going to want to tune in. That's what I care about. I do not necessarily care about the fan attending experience. Now I understand you want sponsors and you want to make sure you, you bring all them there to the, the, to the track and, you know, and wine and dine. I, I get all that, but one time a year, we're going to make an exception. And if you want to bring your sponsors to this event, that's fine. We're going to figure it out, but I do not want to hear complaining about why, you know, we don't have this amenity or this or that. This is different. This is special. This is one time a year. And this is for the audience at home. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I think that, the all-star race to me is at its best when it's something that you don't see every week, even though it's the same drivers you see every week. It's not, it, it's, it's like, Oh, this is a little bit different on the schedule. And when you have a race that unfolds with pretty much the Hendrick cars dominating and Larson winning again. Um, now of course that could happen at a short track too, but you know, at a mile and a half track, you're like, okay, well, except for the inverts and the math, this is pretty much the same thing that we normally see every week. So um, you know, I, I like when they test new ideas, um, like remember it used to be double file restarts, like when that was not a yep. thing, it was like, let's try this out. Stuff like that. Stages even really, right? <laughs> so, uh, overtime finishes. I overtime. Mean, yeah. 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 Green, white checkered. I mean, all that stuff. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Um, we should, we, we have to talk about though. We, we haven't really talked about this. Tell me about your experience to SRX, what that was like and, and just walk me through it. Yeah, I was really, uh, uh, it was really interesting, you know, media wise, I, I don't know. I, I guess I was a little bit surprised that there wasn't other national media there. I mean, I get that, you know, the, probably the all-star race was the bigger draw, you know, you're used to being like, okay, yeah, you'd send people there. And then Detroit pulled some people as well, obviously for IndyCar this weekend, the double header they had there. But, um, I think I was the only national person there. There's just local guys aside from that. And it was really eye-opening because the access was unbelievable. Um, like from a media standpoint, you know, without a lot of media there, they're just like, yeah, uh, just go whatever you want. Talk to whoever you want. It was very much like the the like the, the traditional sort of short track feel. Like if I had gone to... Uh, a local late model race or even like a K&N race like I went and covered in Oregon a couple years ago or something it was just like oh, I just walked through the paddock or garage paddock whatever um, <laughs> well you know how, how there's not really garages there right so I yeah. you more call it like a paddock but um, just talk to the drivers go up to you know it's not, not like PR people standing around saying oh don't talk to this guy you gotta talk to this guy this time the, you know I, it was a very casual atmosphere the drivers were clearly clearly having fun and enjoying themselves 
you know, yeah, they wanted to win and take it seriously for sure, but they were having a great time. They were um, sharing motorhomes, uh, like like Camping World, I guess, had donated a few because they're a series sponsor now, so they had, like donated a few motorhomes. So it was like Kanan and Tony Stewart and uh, Doug Kobe and like these uh, these other guys. They're all like sharing a dressing room, essentially, like hanging out in their bus. Um, people were hanging out in the pits. I mean, you, you get to see these guys interact. You know, you're seeing IndyCar legends and um, NASCAR legends mingling and stuff. And, you know, it's funny to see, just see like who talks to who and all that, that kind of stuff. It was, and then of course they want to go out and win and be competitive, but they're, they were having fun while doing it. And I think the fun factor for me, I've talked about this a lot before it really, you know, that, that stands out as something to me that's been sorely missed from NASCAR in recent years. I just think that these guys, I feel like it sort of ended with maybe like Carl Edwards, you know, he'd get out of the car sometimes and say, man, man, uh, I hate to finish second, but that was a blast. I just had fun out there today. Like that was a good time. And you believed him, you know, you believed that he had fun racing out there and that, and you had fun watching him because they had a good time and they were joking around or like being like, man, this was cool. I enjoyed their battle, you know, NASCAR, like these days, it seems like they're just so, I don't know, serious or somber or like they just, it's like pulling teeth with some of these guys. Like you never really see them smile that much or go like, man, I just had such a good time out there today. Like I just had so much fun racing with that guy. It was like, oh, well, you know, did all we can. I hate this and, you know, couldn't pass and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I just, I wish you could take, I get that SRX has a short schedule. It's six weeks. These guys, it's not their, you know, these guys are veterans for the most part. They've already done their career. So they want to go out and put on a show. It's not, it's not the same level of seriousness as NASCAR has where, Hey, like these teams are, we got to provide for our families. And, you know, this is very, very serious, top level sponsorship, like careers hanging the balance, long season, all that stuff. I get that. But I wish you could maybe just take like 10% of that fun factor and that enjoyment and transfer it over into the NASCAR world. Because I think that's sort of missing from NASCAR and it makes it more entertaining when you know the people that you're watching are enjoying it as much as you do. And that came across in the telecast that the drivers were excited to be there. They were having fun. They understood it was kind of part of the show. There was not this, you know, cutthroat competition. Now, depends on what you want out of your racing or not. I still think at the end of the day, I still think the racing product has to be there. And what jumped out to me watching this last night was the racing was fine. It was, it was fine. It wasn't the most amazing thing. Ever. There was times it was really good. There's you know, a couple of restarts there. Marco Andretti took them three wide. And I was like, this is cool. And it was, it was fine. It was, it was perfectly acceptable. Watching Greg Biffle come up through the field. It was good. But you know, at the end, you know, it was, it was, the winner was pretty much no one. Um, and to me, if you're going to have a national viewing audience, you're going to have to have a good product on the racetrack. And I think that's the thing where my takeaway, and, and I'm not criticizing it because again, this is the first race. And I think we have to be very careful not to make any assumptions. Cause I think what we see in race one is going to be very different. What we see in race two, three, you know, so forth as they figure out these cars and et cetera, going to Knoxville next week, is going to be incredible to watch. <laughs> that's going to be a great race. The other thing to me too, was, it was only 12 cars and I know it sounds bad, but you want to see more there, you know, it kind of got spread out a little bit and you want to see more traffic. You want to see guys work traffic a little bit. So it, but 
you can't do that. I mean, this is an IROC type series. IROC only had 12. The series only has 12. And you really can't do that. So I think there's little tweaks they can make, um, you know, here and there. And no, you know, but I think they're going to do that. And I think what you learned to this week is going to be interesting to see how they apply it for the next week going forward. I think the recipe is there for something, for this to be something. I don't think it's going to be anything like, you know, this massive thing. But as a summer series, just, you know, a handful of races and you bring in some big names, it, you know, the, the, the television rating was pretty encouraging. You know, Sports Business Journal reported it. That, that's a pretty good number. Now, that's not going to be what it is next week, but if it can stay somewhat, you know, around what F1 gets on a Saturday night, which is the toughest night of the way in the summer to, to attract a viewing audience, that, that's encouraging. Yeah. So the one thing I'll say about the racing is, um, you know, I think it, it's even more of a work in progress than they were making it out to be. Um, and I, I don't know how they made it out to be actually on the broadcast, but I mean, it just in general, like, you know, they like, for instance, they, they did this private driver's meeting. Um, that was the one time I couldn't, had no access. And, and there was even a video videographer who was following Tony Stewart around like his every move. I mean, Tony Stewart putting up with this, like had a personal videographer in his sure. face the entire weekend. He was cool with it, right? Cause this is like made for TV thing. And the videographer couldn't come in the driver's meeting because I, and I think they were told in the driver's meeting, like, look guys, we, we gotta, we gotta race hard and have a good time. But the series only has 16 cars. There's 12 drivers, right? But there's 16 cars in existence. They're taking them from track to track. So like they were loading them up last night and taking them to Iowa. Um, from Connecticut, they don't have a lot of time to make like repairs. Yeah. Um, and so they did not want to tear up a lot of stuff. They also did not know how they were going to race at all. The drivers had eight laps total of practice, eight laps on a mile, on a half mile track, a uh, total of practice in their own cars before they went out and raced. And they had not raced around each other. Those were like single sort of laps. So until they took the green flag on national TV for that first heat. They had never raced those cars, brand new like type of bodies and everything they created. They had never raced them around other cars or in traffic or anything. So there was a lot of like, oh crap. Like what <laughs> if we, yeah, like the, Ray Everham was like visibly nervous. Like <laughs> if, if we tear up a bunch of stuff, I don't know if we're going to have the time to repair these before the next week. And they have five more weeks, you know, five straight weeks are doing this. So I think there was, I think that probably led to sort of like the tippy toe sort of racing sure. early on. I think you started to see them get more comfortable later um, and, and they started to make some moves. But yeah, no, it definitely wasn't like, wow, this is spectacular racing. I thought it was decent and yeah, and good at fine. times, but I think they had something to build on. And that's what the the biggest thing is for them, like you know, get out there with a, a decent race, something entertaining. I mean, you had those guys challenging Doug Kobe, um, pretty hard there and, and, uh, he held him off and, and earned that win. Um, I'll tell you what too, talk about fun. Like, you know, those, those modified guys are always so interesting to talk to. And I had not talked to Kobe before and, uh, man, those guys have a personality. They have a lot to say. They're dropping F bombs. I mean, very <laughs> colorful, you know, uh, I wrote some of the quotes in my story on the athletic, which I'd love for you guys to go read if you Great have a chance. Story, by the way. I worked hard on that. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so like that—that that was really fun and interesting to see him win. He said it, he said it would have been the greatest uh, 
night of his life in terms of victories, by the way, if he hadn't fallen on his butt right after he got out of the car. So unfortunate, <laughs> unfortunate for him. But, hey, you know, he seemed to take it in stride. Uh, yeah. It'd be a good story. But And I, and I think, no, no disrespect to Stafford, but it's, it's kind of a flat oval. It's not a high-banked oval. And if you look at the schedule coming up, you know, you've got race at Knoxville and Eldora, which are two dirt races, which are typically, you know, pretty entertaining. Knoxville, um, I, I'm a little worried they make it a little spread out there, but we'll see. But then you've got Slinger Speedway, which I don't know if you're familiar with Slinger Speedway in Wisconsin. It, it's kind of my neck of the woods. It's a third high-banked oval. It's crazy. It's awesome. I, I, I'm really looking forward to people – this getting a national spotlight, it's going to be incredible. And then they're going to they're going to wrap up at the fairgrounds in Nashville. So those are racetracks. And I, I think, think are, don't they go to IRP too? Yeah, IRP and you know IRP yeah. is it's fine. It's you know it's kind of like Stafford to me. It's just like it's it's a classic short track, but it is what it is. But I think those other tracks really have an opportunity to really kind of help enhance the product. And and I think you make a really good point about the cars and that and you only got sixteen of them. And you're the way this schedule's set up. There's the, the turnaround is really tight you've got to be a little bit delicate about it. And hopefully, you know, they're, I'm sure they're still working on getting more cars and everything and parts and pieces. And, you know, I, again, I think they, I think this was a success. I think they had a good opening night and this is something to build off of. And it's encouraging. I think the way this, this goes forward, the opportunity is there to, to, for this to grow. Well, if you'd like to read my story about it, which again, I really would appreciate if people would, uh, stayed up all night writing it. Um, <laughs> after uh, after the race before my flight but um you can go to oh, the what yeah no keep going go to the athletic.com read jeff's story please go ahead i gotta ask you a question about the writing process well i was gonna say the athletic.com slash the teardown actually i believe jordan pretty sure if you subscribe off the athletic.com slash the teardown you and i are both credited with bringing in a subscriber as opposed hey. to just one of our stories. So don't, <laughs> don't even worry about going to click on that story in particular. You can go to subscribe off our podcast link, which I've seen many of you have done recently. And we definitely appreciate that. You were going to ask me about the writing process. I have to know your tweets last night. You were at a diner, which may have been the most eventful experience. I have been to a waffle house in the middle of nowhere, Georgia at like one o'clock in the morning, coming home from Talladega, driving back to Atlanta. That was adventurous, but your experience last night it takes the cake. So please explain. Well, it, you know, it was, um, I, first of all, I was just looking for coffee for starters. Like I, I had some snacks I could have gone with. Um, I didn't, ne I wasn't necessarily like dying for food, but I thought I'll just find a diner, 24 hour diner. Um, and I'll, you know, at least I'll get some coffee and, and I'll sit there and I'll, I'll write my story. I had a, a 6 a.m. flight, so I didn't have, you know, I fig figured I had like, about four, four and a half hours before I had to leave for the airport, all that stuff, right? So I get there to this diner around midnight, only diner in Hartford that apparently was 24 hours. I was trying to find, I was even trying to find like Dunkin' Donuts, and I just thought, I'll just get some coffee at a Dunkin' like you and I did after Homestead 2008, yep. 19. 2019, And we went yeah. back to the uh, hotel and just wrote, had our coffee and wrote all night, basically. Yeah, living after, room, yeah. Yep. So... I was going to do that. And then I thought, no, nah, I'll get some food or whatever. I'll go to diner. Of course, Connecticut, you know, they don't have Waffle House. <laughs> um, so that was, that there wasn't that option. The Denny's there weren't open 24 hours. I thought it was, I thought Denny's were open 24 hours. A lot of them. I no, thought so I too. Not. I'm surprised by that. Yeah, they weren't. So uh, anyway, I found this diner. It seemed like a good place. Got my, you know, got seated, got my coffee, you know, seemed like sort of just a, a dive type place, but whatever. Anyway, I realized after a while that, um, there was no food coming out of the kitchen, not just my food that I had ordered 
but no food. So like half hour goes by, 45 minutes go by. People at the tables next to me are starting to get very angry. They're like yelling at the waitress. They're going up to the manager. They're storming out. And I'm just like, oh, people are drunk or, you know, <laughs> they're not patient. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm fine. I'm having my coffee. I'm writing. Then like an hour goes by since I ordered my food. And I'm like, I would kind of like my food. I mean, an hour is kind of a long wait at a restaurant, even if they're backed up. You know what I mean? So at this point, there were some other race fans in there that I saw. They, they were getting like very upset. Like I, they were, they were tired. They were, they had definitely wanted the food, not just the coffee. And they were like yelling, like yelling at the waitress, yelling at the manager, like getting very animated. Um, you know, what were the manager and waitress saying? Like, were they, how are, what were, how are they explaining? The waitress was very apologetic. And then she would like, she would apologize and she'd go in the kitchen and, come out and say oh they're working on it but one time so like after about an hour she had gone in the kitchen and she's like like she was there was yelling going on there was voices yelling and and then like you heard dishes shattering like and i'm like oh my i was like am i on a hidden camera show right now were you thinking like you're gonna be like one of those fight videos that we see like it happens at brawls at restaurants or something i mean it was it is at this point it was like 1 a.m and i was like kind of just so foggy i was like wait is this really happening and then i was like honestly like looking around for hidden cameras like is this one of those prank shows and then um it's like so she comes back out whatever uh those people left which i think helped me get my food i ended up getting my food after an hour and 45 minutes i just ordered a burger and fries um i hour 45 minutes but i was like the blessed one who got the, everybody was like staring daggers at me in the restaurant. <laughs> my food came out. I think I helped jump. I got to jump in line. Uh, cause other people had canceled their orders or whatever, told them just forget it anyway. So then she'd gone back in there. Like, I guess about 15 minutes before mine, she'd gone back in there and like, you could hear the waitress yell. She's like, I'm not a cook. Like, I don't know if they were trying to bring her into, you know, and I'm just like, Oh, Anyway, I was kind of nervous about who actually cooked my burger and whether it was really cooked. And was it good? It was fine. Yeah, it was good. It's perfectly I, I enjoyed acceptable. my burger, and I haven't gotten food poisoning, and it's been uh, almost twenty four hours. So but it cooked for like an hour. So I'd hope it'd be dead. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but after that though, I kind of decided it was probably time to leave. I was kind of worried about somebody like pulling out a gun or something and being yeah, like, it "Seems a little sketchy." Yeah, because more and more like drunk people were coming in. Like the uh, clubs were emptying out. And I just thought, this is not the best writing uh, environment anymore. I think a better writing environment would be the hotel. So um, anyway, yeah, again, read that story, please. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. So so, uh, late late night writing at restaurants is always entertaining. I remember. Man, I'm too old for this crap. I'm 40. (laughs) I can't do it anymore. I have been like jet lagged all day. Thank goodness. Uh, my wife and two lovely daughters let me get uh, a three-hour nap before the All-Star Race, or I would have been even more cranky than I was at the start of this podcast, Jordan. But Oh, well, should we wrap things up and do my favorite segment of the week? Let's do it. <laughs> it's a good race poll. Oh. Well, think, by the way, first of all, uh, I'm, I am skipping IndyCar this week because I didn't really get to, I didn't get to watch any of their, either of the races. On the one day, uh, the Rosen the Rosenfuss bad accident day, I guess you could say. I mean, I saw the replay uh, while I was at Stafford, but I didn't get to watch any of the race. It was interesting. They were at an autograph session, like Marco Andretti and um, Elio and Kanan. 
and they were all watching the IndyCar race on Marco's mm. phone as they were signing autographs. They were all trying to keep track of it, but um, I didn't get to watch any of it. And then today I was so tired. I, I slept, I, I needed a nap. So I'm sorry, IndyCar, I missed it. We'll, we'll resume talking about it next week. I see it was an interesting, interesting weekend there with Pato Award uh, winning, willpower getting mad. But uh, anyway, yes, so was it a good race poll? What were you going to say? Favorite segment of the week. And if I'm not mistaken, I, I my memory's a little foggy. I'd have to go back and look. I, I think I won last week. And I think I was pretty close to the number, too. That's right. You did oh, win. Oh, is it? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. you I did forgot win. about that. Uh, the, I believe you had guessed 75% for Sonoma, if I'm not mistaken. And the answer was 74.5%. Oh, wow. What a treat. Wow. So, Big Joe Wall 72 has updated the score. You are now winning 9 to 8 and you have uh, moved to an eight-point differential, which means you get to pick first on this very difficult all-star race poll. Yeah, I don't think it's that difficult. And again, I, I didn't hate the race. I thought it was fine. It was perfectly acceptable. I, I think at the end of the day, I think the format combined with the track and the package, because we, we've talked about this before, there's people, how they feel about this package. I, I'm going to say... 48% is my number. Wow. That's really interesting. I, I actually thought you were going to go higher when you started talking about it because, you know, for <clears throat> 48%, um, isn't that the lowest, wouldn't that be the lowest of the year? Uh, uh, I have to go back and look, I feel like we've had lower, but so the lowest of the year was the Coke 600, 48.5%. So you're saying, Despite you just said this wasn't that bad of a race and all that stuff, you're saying this is going to be the worst race of the year? I think the I think when you combine the format, which, again, based off of social media, people didn't seem very enamored with, the fact that they're, the, this aero package people are not a big fan of, and the fact that this race is at Texas, a track that a lot of people are not a fan of, you add those three factors together, I, I do think you're going to get a low pull this week. Okay, so... In my view, I, I went back and looked up the uh, Bristol All-Star Race from last year, which, again, I thought was was lacking. Now, it was Bristol, but I thought it was lacking, and I thought this All-Star Race was a little bit better. That All-Star Race got a 51.9% in the poll. Oh, okay. Um, so I think it's I think it's going to edge a little bit higher than that. You know, when you, when you think about, like, was this race better than the Coke 600 that got a 48.5%? I think it was. I mean, people are really going to vote it down worse than that? Um, you know, like, and that was a Larson win just a couple weeks ago. I think they're going to vote higher than that. So, um, I think I'm actually going to go with the 50, I'm going to go with a 54% higher, ah. higher than I, yeah, I know it's high. It's high. I was, I was hoping you were going to be in the 60s and then I was going to be able to kind of claim that low 50 middle ground there. Okay. No, okay. I got that. Yeah. yeah. So you're, you're saying 48 and I'm saying yeah. 54. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, everybody, listen, we continue to um, appreciate your support and listening to this podcast so much. We love the tweets that you send us after listening, the reactions. Um, I'll send some stuff to Jordan sometimes if you don't tag both of us in it. <laughs> we, it'd be better if you tag both of us in it. Uh, he's Jordan underscore Bianchi. Um, I'm Jeff underscore Gluck on Twitter, of course. Um, but yeah, we just, we really, uh, we love to look at look at uh, the feedback uh, 
And uh, of course we keep track of, of the numbers and um, I mean like, wow, like people, more and more people listen to this. I mean, it just, it just makes us feel really good. So thanks to you teardown listeners. You guys are awesome. Uh, this is one of my favorite things to do every week now. Same here. So um, yeah, thanks. Thanks everybody. We appreciate you. And next week we'll be talking about the inaugural Nashville race. Wow. That'll be something. It's be interesting. Yeah. I'm very curious how that weekend unfolds. Yeah. It'll be fun to talk about. So until then, everybody, thanks so much for listening. And we will talk to you next time on The Tarot.